Good morning, Lighthouse. Good morning. Howdy. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Love to hear that. The God of comfort. See, my prayer for today's message this morning is that you would be comforted. Some things in the message, though, may be tough to swallow. At first glance, you think it's going to be exclusively a feel-good, but... Just bear with it. It is God's word, and we should always be ready to receive it, regardless of how we are feeling. The God of comfort. See, this is the second letter to Corinth and Scripture. This church was one that was established during Paul's second missionary journey, where he would stay for 18 months. See, after he firmly established this church and it was going on, Paul moves on, and he concluded this journey, and he returned to Antioch. And then he moves on to the Asia region, where he would stay in Ephesus for three years. See, this was a church, the church of Corinth, filled with many issues and received many rebukes from Paul. If there's one church we want to take example of, it's definitely not this one. See, this church, they questioned Paul's apostleship. They questioned his speaking ability. They had this division on whichever leader that they preferred to follow. I'm with Apollos, I'm with Paul, I'm with Peter. One of the members was having an affair with his stepmother. The church knew about it and did nothing regarding it. They even turned the Lord's Supper in an opportunity for a party. How despicable. There was issue after issue. And you would think it would be best for Paul just to say, you know what, forget these people. There are much better things to focus on. But despite these things, Paul still had a sincere love for them. He wanted them to grow and serve the Lord properly. They were still God's church. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1-11, through 11, we're going to be reading today. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. With all the saints which are in all, Micaiah. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are, are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, that same word, the same one means comfort, also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead." who delivered us from so great a death, and doeth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. Father in heaven, we thank you for our time of fellowship. We thank you for our gathering together in your house, Lord, to lift up your praise, to lift up your name, and your word to be exalted. And Lord, may that be the center and be the focus, Lord, and that's what we're here for. We're here for you and that alone. 
May you be glorified in our message this morning, and may you be glorified in our fellowship and our love for one another. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So beginning in this book, beginning in there, he simply gives an introduction, starting with introducing himself. First, he introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, by the will of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And this may seem to be just, you know, a common knowledge thing, but it holds significance when he makes mention of his authority and his position. See, this was a church full of people that challenged and doubted his apostleship. He's not an apostle through man's choosing. He's an apostle by the will of God. He did not do it by his own decision or the desire of any man, including himself. He makes mention of Timothy in his greeting, and the implication here that Timothy could be involvement because he's the one that actually brought the letter in the first place, the first one, and he often introduces his letter in some kind of plural or group perspective. And, of course, he identifies his recipients. Says he writes unto the church of God at Corinth with all the saints in Achaia. Now, that's not to be confused with the modern-day um, Assembly of God, Pentecostal Church of God movement. It's a whole different church of God. Paul's intention, though, would be his letters to be passed around throughout that region and not to stay in one place. Next to Rome, that city of Corinth was one of the fastest-growing and populated area, filled with both Jews and Gentiles. And then he gives his peace with grace be to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're not children of God by nature, says the Father of our Lord and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're children of God through what? Adoption. He adopts us into the family. And this blessing of being children of God is absolute significance. So we can come to him and we pray to God and start it as Heavenly Father. Our Father. He is a father even to the fatherless. See, David said this in Psalm 27. He says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I've been blessed to have great and amazing parents, but I have even a better heavenly father. He is a father to the fatherless. And then he begins his Thanksgiving section opening with praise. Blessed be God. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. See, he praises God who shows mercy and gives comfort. He is the source. See, Paul certainly would be one that knows the mercy of God and the comfort of God by firsthand experience. Not only in his salvation on the road to Damascus, but it's evident all throughout his life afterwards. And he titled God as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. See, mercy is this idea of not getting what we deserve. See, before a righteous God, now this sometimes is a tough message for the world to swallow. Before a righteous God, we are fallen sinners in deservement of eternal punishment. But in his mercy, he gave us the provision through his son on the death of the cross. His gospel. And this word comfort in this passage, the original comes from the word paraclesis. We often hear Jesus being titled as the, the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. Paraclesis, that means comfort. And the idea behind this word in the New Testament is not typically the way we would use the word comfort or comfortable today. 
See, we would use feeling comfort as this feeling of relief or some kind of pain. I'm feeling comfortable, you know, kind of slouch on the couch. I'm sure the chairs are a lot more comfortable than the common wooden pew. But that's, that's not that idea in this passage. See, the usage in Scripture for comfort has this idea of strengthening, helping, encouraging, supporting. It's to give the believer strength and weakness and the assurance and an unbending resolve. It's the idea that God provides encouragement, the exhortation under challenging times, that comfort. See, this is a title also associated with the Holy Ghost. See, Jesus himself is given this title, the Comforter. He promised after him he would send another Comforter. That word another is functioning as another in the same likeness. We see that is his Holy Spirit. And we see his comfort in action, who comforted us in all our tribulation. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. See, if you had this mindset like I once did, that when you become a Christian in the Christian life, walking with the Lord, this is going to be some kind of trouble-free life. Man, life's just going to get so much better. I'm not going to have as much bad things happen to me anymore. Well, I have bad news for you. But there's also some good news with that. This here is assurance that this, there will be trouble in this life who comforts us in all our tribulation. See, even as Christians, I'm going to say especially as Christians, it's why he uses this word for this phrase here. It's assurance that the God of comfort isn't going to leave you. That's the good news. Some of you have been going through some major pain, major hurting, have been through it, are going through it even now, or it's even yet more to come. See, we've never been promised this trouble-free life. I don't care what those prosperity preachers like to present out there. The Bible has never presented this trouble-free, prosperous life. But what it does promise is God to be with you and carry you through it. See, matter of fact, if you're a believer, things just get even harder when you become a Christian. But it is a life full of joy, full of blessing, full of wonder as we abide in him. I'm going to argue it's because we serve such an amazing God to comfort us. And if you're part of a local church, you have a new family to lift each other up, to lean on, depend on. Many of you can testify the hardships they went through, and Lighthouse Baptist Church was there to lift you up and carry those burdens with you. We share the same burdens. We share in the same sufferings. And God is that source of our two great needs that we have in this life. We all need mercy. We all need comfort. See, many of us, unfortunately, including believers, though, we will turn to anything but God for comfort. We see this evident in drugs, alcohol, materialism, many of the things out there in the world. Many of the people just don't want God to be their source of comfort. They want to figure it out for themselves. See, if you want to receive comfort from God, it's going to require you to actually turn it over to him. And not only did God give us his word for instruction in this life, he has our word for us for comfort. Romans 15, 4 through 5 says this, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. David was able to strengthen and encourage himself in the Lord. 
How did he do that? He had the word. He had the scriptures. He had prayer. He had access to God. Now the God of patience and comfort grant you, uh, consolation, that same word comfort, grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. See, comforting us in our tribulation also implies that we are not the cause and root of that problem. 1 Peter 4, 15, 16 says this, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Also in 1 Peter, it says, For it is better if the will of God be so. Did you know sometimes God's will for you is to go through major sufferings in this life? If the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing rather than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, that means be made alive by the Spirit. See, many of the sufferings that we have out in this life are results due to poor decisions and facing the natural consequences to it. Other sufferings, and many of them, are the ones that are beyond your control. Those are when life gets absolutely hard and difficult, leaving you often questioning why. See, and if you have suffering and tribulation because of your faith and your stance in Jesus, losing friends, family, often even marriages, you identify with Jesus. You're made more like him because Christ once suffered for sins. You identify with Christ as you glorify God in your trials. Not an easy amen or blessed, but you are blessed according to the scripture. And what is God's purpose in this comfort, though? Why would we need to go through the tribulation in the first place? Can't God just put a stop to it? Is he not all-powerful? Is he not all-good? Is he not all-loving? This is what leads people with those questions. It says here that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves, we are comforted of God. See, our trials, this assures us the things that we go through are not meaningless. He carries us through. He comforts us for a purpose. And that purpose directly here in the scripture is so that we can make a difference in the life of another. See, God's comfort is also received and received through believers, other believers that he gives, especially those in your church. It's not this matter of this misery loves company type of comfort, but it's a real encouragement, a real strength in lifting one another up. And I ask you this, when was it when you drew closer to God? Was it through the highs or in the lows? See, many here can testify that through the difficult times, that is when they knew the Lord and grew closer to him more and more. It's when they taught and they learned to depend on him. It's even allowed and taught you to depend and lean on your church, to grow closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Many here can testify that's when they came to know this friendship and family like no other. It was through the despair. It was through the trials. You are going to need to open yourself up, though, and allow others in. If you want God's comfort, you're going to have to allow him 
to do it. If you decide to turn to the things out there, you're not going to receive God's comfort. James 4, 7 through 8 says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh, that means near, to God, and he will what? He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, Satan has a plan in your tribulations. Just as God has a plan in all these wonderful things in your life, Satan, on the other hand, also has plans for your destruction. See, he wants those tribulations, he wants those difficulties and trials to keep you and take you out of church. He wants to take you away from the fellowship with the other believers. He wants to take you out of prayer. He wants to take you out of the word. But God's purposes in it are to draw you closer to him, to strengthen you into someone who looks more like Christ so that you could comfort and encourage one another. Paul has that experience firsthand, we see from 5 through 7. It says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. See, the way Paul approached suffering, approached the hardships, he looked at it as Christ's suffering. And if there's someone who knew suffering, if you read the book of Acts, you read in his letters, it's Paul. Paul definitely knew suffering. And if there's also someone who knew what it was like to be comforted by God, it's Paul. The best of both worlds. Since the sufferings were also for Christ's sakes, he says it's Christ's suffering. See, God allows situations in our lives where we're going to have comfort is only found in Christ. And sometimes we think that comfort is found in some kind of change of circumstances. Well, if I can just get out of this environment, if I can just have all of these terrible things happening to me, then my life will be better. Then I'll be content. But God wants to comfort us in the midst, in the middle of those difficulties, in the midst of those trials. He also wants you to give those comfort, that comfort to others. See, many of the times that look like simply just being there present in someone's life. Well, how do I comfort someone? I don't have all this knowledge. I don't have all these things. Sometimes it looks like just simply being there for that person, not necessarily having all the right words to say. Romans 12 says this, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Many times it takes no words at all. And Paul's perspective in the affliction, he says, Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. See, if Paul and other ministers were afflicted, it was for the sake of God's people. God had a larger purpose in Paul's suffering than working on Paul himself. He was bringing that consolation and salvation to others through Paul's suffering. He writes it as effectual in the enduring. See, God's desire is that we would be enduring, not let the trials break us, but that we would endure through it, leaning on him. And when we say endurance or patience, isn't the, it's not this idea of just passively just accepting everything and just be like, oh, well, okay, I guess I'll just deal with it. But it's this kind of spirit that gives you triumph over the pain. In spite of what is happening to me, I know God is good. I know that God has a greater purpose in all things. We know all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And we have a hope. 
in it. That hope is a word that means it's the confidence. Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that you are partakers of the sufferings, so ye shall be also of the consolation. See, Paul's hope in Corinthians is steadfast because they are also partakers in the suffering. Our difficulties become the churches. Our difficulties we share in that burden. We learn to love one another. We learn to depend on one another. We may be promised by God to be with us and to carry us through, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to provide, to lift us up. And we see some more of Paul's experience. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we are pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. See, Paul was one who faced many oppositions and trouble, and that would cause just about any minister, just about any pastor to just quit. It was trouble that pressed them above measure beyond strength that he despaired, anticipated death. You may have heard this phrase out there in the life that God's never going to allow anything more than what you can handle. There is some truth in regards to that and being tempted to sin. See, 1 Corinthians is where they get that idea from. Chapter 10. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. But yet, what we just read here in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 8, it says, We are pressed out of measure, above strength. This was something beyond what Paul could handle, what they could handle. Even so, we despaired even life. See, what God doesn't allow more in your life to handle is your temptation to sin. But God is going to allow things in your life that are beyond your strength. And it's not about what you can handle. Rather, it's what he can handle. See, God allows things all the time that you are capable, that you are not capable of, 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 of depending on yourself. You have to rely on his strength. You will learn and lie to depend on him. God's not going to allow anything in your life that he cannot handle. Living the Christian life has never been about what your strength is, what you can handle. It's about depending and trusting God. Oh, for grace to trust him more, we sing from this so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's the trouble that pushed Paul to rely on God. It says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. It was beyond what Paul could handle, but not beyond what Jesus can. God allowed this in Paul's life, and Paul allowed this to strengthen him, to comfort him, so that he can minister to another. Another purpose we see is the trials are to learn to not to trust in ourselves, to trust in our own hearts. And the most important thing about our affliction is not about what it produces, but Paul developed a stronger faith in God because he saw God working through it and carrying him through. We see that same God who has that work in salvation. He says, who delivered us from so great a death? who endureth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. There's going to be a little theology in this one. When it says, who delivered us from so great a death? That is salvation from sin's past, sin's penalty. This was accomplished by the cross, the gospel we preach, how that Christ died, how he was buried, 
and how he rose again the third day. Our salvation is secured, it's eternal, it is past. There's another salvation he mentions here, deliverance, and who doeth deliver in the present tense. This is a salvation from sin's power. The power of sin, the weight, of this, the weight in this life, is a continuing delivering that God provides and gives to you. A lot of times you don't even recognize it. And we have a salvation in the future in whom we trust will yet deliver. That is from sin's presence. We have salvation from sin's penalty, an ongoing salvation from sin's power, and then one day, either in death or when he comes back, we are going to be delivered from sin's presence. No longer to deal with the temptation, no longer to deal with that weight. And what a day that's going to be. This is the kind of God you have on your side to comfort you in all tribulation. See, God is, as the God of all comfort, holds significant truths in our lives as believers. Because no other person understands our sufferings more than Jesus Christ himself. See, he's our high priest, according to Hebrews. He sympathizes with our weakness, and we can approach him at any time with absolute confidence because what he did for you on that cross was more than enough to take away your sins and give you access to God. And he, God allows suffering and brought divine comfort so that the Corinthian church and we too can have empathy to enter another person's sorrow and comfort them. As believers, as his church, we need to be ready to lift up our brethren. Many here are going through tragedies. We need to be there, ready to pick up the phone to answer. See, because when we suffer, we need a rem- it's a reminder that God will bring comfort to those through his word, by his spirit, and through each other, his church. And God does not comfort us for the purpose to feel comfortable We are comforted by God so we could also be comforters, an unending chain. See, Jesus is no stranger to our sufferings. He once suffered for sins. He knows betrayal. He knows the emotional, physical pain like no other. No one understands it all better than Jesus. If you want to question, well, I just don't think God understands what I go through, look back at the cross. He understands. His love for you is greater than you can ever imagine. If you don't know him as Savior, though, don't expect that comfort. And I urge you to consider what he did for you. He went to a cross. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified and beyond. One of the worst ways a human being could even go out. But he was taken beyond the extreme. And he did that as an innocent man because of us because of what we put him through, should have been our cross. That is why he did it, so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could be saved. If you don't know him as your savior, you don't get to look at him as your comforter. You will one day look to him as your Lord, your judge. But in his love and his mercy, he offers you that free gift. And we at Lighthouse We make it our business, we make it our priority to make sure you know where you're going to spend eternity. We have a thing called the basic Bible truths that will, I assure you, will help you understand. When you finish those classes, you're going to know exactly where you stand in your relationship between you and God. 
And see, when the troubles in life hit you hard, what are you going to do? It is evident that many people, including people who've been a part of us, will turn to anything but God. Life hits them hard, many leave the church, and they'll even blame God or blame someone else for their trouble. And many of the times, never to be back. They let the world and they let Satan get captive of their life. Will you let this be you? Or will you cling to God? Will you lean on your church and take comfort in what he gives you? You have his word. You have his promise. You have his church, the body of Christ. That's us. I urge you, allow him to comfort you. Know what it's going to produce in your life. Know that God is always good, all the time. And don't just use it as your own strength to grow. Use it to comfort another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truths of the word, Lord, knowing that it's not a good thing to swallow, Lord, that we're going to have many troubles in this life. But we also are promised and assured that they're not meaningless and that you carry us through and you allow us to go through these things because you love us, because you want us to grow, because you want us to be more like your son, because you want us to be able to provide that comfort to one another. So, Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord, and thank you for the continuous hand you have in our lives. So may we only look to you when those trials, when those pain hit us, and not look to the things of the world, because only you, Lord, can truly satisfy. We thank you for being a God of grace, a God of comfort, a God of mercy, that we so desperately need day by, and this world needs every day. And may we live as examples to your goodness and your grace always, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what was all that about? Comfort Comfort or suffering? Sometimes comfort's hard to find. The, The warnings in Scripture... I don't know if you could call it warnings. I guess it is. If you know the Lord, you're going to suffer. Now, I don't mean it'll get tough sometimes. I mean, you'll be going along thinking everything's working pretty good, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, life will hit you right between the eyes and you don't have a clue as how you're going to live through it or deal with it or handle it in any way whatsoever. And that's not something that might happen to you. That's something that's guaranteed to happen to you. You understand what the scriptures are telling us? You know, Justin, he's a young preacher. And he said, he's standing up there preaching this to us because he knows what the Bible says. Amen. And he's telling us about it. It kind of hurts my heart because he doesn't have a clue what's going to hit him between the eyes or when, or where it's going to come from. 
but it's going to happen. And I, 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 I hurt for you. Because sometimes, sometimes people make it and sometimes they don't. We think we're tough. Especially us guys. Yeah, we, we're tough. We can take it. We can't take it. When it happens, if the Lord does not step in and bring you that comfort that only he can supply, you will not survive. You won't. I could tell you stories about different people and how they've been dealt a different situation and how they did or did not survive it. But you're going to have your own story if you're really one of God's children. You're going to have your story. The Bible calls it the fellowship of his suffering. See, there's certain things that you can't understand by being told about it. Some of you Some of you that have more miles on you than others, you know who I'm talking about. We're in a club together. There are things you can't learn by other people's experiences, and you can't learn it by reading about it in Scripture. The fellowship of his suffering is one of those things. It's one of those things that you're going to have to go through. You can, either, you can either allow it to make you bitter or you can allow it to make you better. And more people become bitter than become better. It's the truth. I guess you have to decide ahead of time which one you're going to be. Because you're going to get hit. And it's going to hurt. And it's probably not going to be the kind of hurt you think it's going to be. It's going to be something totally out of left field. And you, you, I, I can't tell you about it. You're just going to have to go through it. But you won't have to go through it by yourself. And... You know, there's a scripture Peter said, talking about this subject. Matter of fact, Peter told us more about this subject than about any of the, than I think even than Paul did. But he said, after you have suffered a while, then he will strengthen, establish, which means establish you and settle you. But he never told us how long a while was. And I thought, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been around a long time. I'm, I'm going to have another birthday here in a little bit. And I'm getting older. And, and I've been through some suffering, all kinds. 
a lot of different kinds. So I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe I've been a while. No, it's a while hasn't transpired yet. I don't see an end to it. Every time you turn around, something new, something else, something you thought was over isn't. And here we are again, suffering. Oh, you're not suffering. Man up. Sometimes you just can't find any more up. But Jesus won't leave you alone by yourself. He'll be there with you when you're down and when you can't get up. I don't know what God's trying to tell you today, but I definitely advise you to listen. We're going to sing and give you a chance to deal with the Lord however you want to.